Hey, good morning, Faith Family. Say hello to those in our live venue. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, we're finding out this morning uh, who among our ranks are really, really committed, all right? Who are the brave ones willing to come out? We're glad that you're here. If you got a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts 16. Listen, while you're turning there, I told you last week that I wanted to uh, give you an update on just some exciting things that are going to be taking place here in our faith family this year. Uh, in fact, I want to start by just kind of going back over some things you've been hearing a lot about quickly. Uh, number one is you know by now that we eat, drink, sleep, breathe the gospel, right? We're gospel people. We're all about Jesus, 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 Jesus. And we want to help you connect your life to him in a transforming way. That's what we're all about. We want to see our lives, our community, our world transformed by the power of of the gospel. How many of you have heard that before? Yeah, that's what I thought. Number two is you've been hearing a lot about just the growth that we've been having over the last several months. We've talked about the over the past year and a half, we've launched three new services, like 30% growth, increase in membership, baptisms, just testimonies from people about how their life has been changed by Jesus. And we've talked about that. I don't need to give you more numbers on that. You know that that's what's been going on here, which by the way, that's a gift of God's grace. I mean, the, the stat is like 80% of churches in America are either plateaued or declined. And so it is only just the grace of God that we've been able to experience what we're experiencing. Number three is as we've been going through the book of Acts since last fall, I've been challenging you to think bigger and think wider. Think bigger and think wider in terms of our gospel impact. Well, all of that brings us to a conversation that we're going to be having as a faith family over the next few weeks, and, and it'll continue on for, for months. It's what we're calling our REACH campaign or REACH initiative, and basically it's this. We believe as the leadership here at uh, Berean, um, our elders, our pastors, our lay leaders that have been involved in this process, that it is time to go to that next level, that next chapter, that next season of ministry here at Berean. This is not a small step. This isn't a baby step. This isn't a tweak. This is entering into a whole new way of defining reality and how we make a gospel impact here and throughout the South Metro. So this is a big deal. And REACH is focused on really two primary areas. It's here and there. Now, how simple is that? Come on, right? Here and there. By here, what we mean is, is we've got plans that we're going to expand this facility because we do not believe that God is done reaching people at this campus. And for us to be equipped and prepared to continue to do that in the months and years ahead, we've got to expand where we are. Number two is we want to expand out there. That is, just as we are a church that meets in multiple services, we will be a church that meets in multiple locations. Because there are people who will never drive all the way to where we are, but we can multiply out there and expand our gospel impact, not just here in Burnsville, but around the South Metro. And so that's what REACH is all about, and it's going to be a really big step of faith. But I believe it's a step that God is calling us to take to expand our gospel impact. Now, 
My goal this morning is just to point you in the direction to get the information that you need, okay? I can't give you all the details and answer all your questions on Sunday morning, okay? Um, so here's what I want you to do. Number one is go to the website. Go to the website. We have an entire link called Expansion that you can click on, and we will be updating that frequently with new information. So just plan on going back to that over and over and over again to get information regarding REACH. Number two is we will have a booklet that's coming out in the next week or so that will just, it'll basically be like a fact sheet where question and answer, question and answer, question and answer, just to give you the basics, the basic information that you need about what REACH is about. Number three, we'll be having two town hall meetings in two weeks from this weekend. Uh, January the 30th and the 31st on Saturday night and Sunday night. It will be very important for you to come out and to ask your questions, to hear presentations, and to get more information. Uh, number four, and finally, is we'll have information tables out in the commons uh, every week, and elders and lay leaders and people who've been a part of this process will be there just to talk with you. And you can take your question and ask and do the best that we can to communicate and answer your questions. And all this is leading to uh, February the 28th at our next Faith Family Celebration. We'll be asking our church uh, for a vote of affirmation to move in this direction. Uh, and between now and then, we want to give you uh, as much information as we can about where we feel like God is calling us to go. All that makes sense? Okay. So we're all about the gospel. We're all about expanding our gospel impact and now is the time for us to take that next big step into what God has for us for the future. I'm excited. I am absolutely, I know you're like, you're always excited. But I'm really, I really am. I, just the fact that we're a part of a faith family that gets to have this conversation, uh, it's, it's a gift of God. So um, do what you need to do to get that information these next few weeks. And uh, pray hard to sense God's direction in it all. You ready for Act 16? Let's go. Eight people are ready, and I love you. Um, if you need to scoot in and, and cuddle uh, during this time to stay warm, go ahead. Act 16, if you can stand, let's do so. We honor the reading of God's Word, Act 16, beginning at verse 6. It says, When they went through the region of Phrygia, sometimes pronounced Minnesota, um, <laughs> And Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately... We sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Let's pray. Father, by your spirit, would you come and just speak to us this morning? We thank you for your word, how it just, particularly in Acts, it keeps bringing us back to what really matters. It brings us back to focusing on the mission. Uh, Lord, we're just grateful to be a part of this. We love just riding the wave of your movement, of what you're doing, and we're grateful to be a part of it. So just come speak to us, work in our hearts as only you can. Do supernatural things this morning in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. You may be seated. 
David, David had his life all planned out. He was, uh, he was absolutely convinced he was going to be a pastor. But you see, in David's day, you couldn't really be a pastor unless you had a university degree, so he enrolled in Yale. And man, did he excel. I mean, David was straight-A student. He was top of the class. He was a self-motivated student, and he was literally just months away, just months away from having a degree in hand and a pastorate secured. But although David was smart, he wasn't always wise. Do you know anybody whose mouth sometimes gets ahead of their brain? That they, they, they speak before they think it through? Well, David was living during the time of the Great Awakening where revival was taking place throughout America, and some of the professors there at Yale were not all that enthusiastic about the Great Awakening. And David said about one of his professors, quote, It's a wonder God doesn't strike him dead. One of the students overheard David reported him to the administration, and David was immediately expelled. Months, months from graduation, from, from seeing all my plans come as I thought they would, months from having his dream finally realized, and all his plans were changed in a moment. And he was crushed. He... Um, he fought depression. He spent months reevaluating where his life was going. And then he received a letter. And it was a letter inviting him to consider being a missionary to the American Indians. And some of you will know his name. David Brainerd would become one of the greatest missionaries in all of American history. But let me ask you something. How do you respond when your plans change? Y have you ever been there? You got everything mapped out. You got the checkbook balanced. You've got the route all calculated. You know exactly where you're going to go. And that gets changed. Have you ever been there? Like you did your best to, to, to set your son out on the right direction, but he chose a different course. You worked really hard hoping that you would get promoted, and they didn't even give you an interview. You studied hard in school so you could get that scholarship, but you didn't even get accepted. All of us know what it's like when the details of life don't come about the way we thought they would. How do you respond when your plans get changed? You see, that's exactly what's happening in Acts 16. In fact, what we learn is this, and it is such an important lesson, but it's a hard one, and here it is. A life that is surrendered to Jesus lives in the awareness that God can change your plans at any moment. Has anybody ever experienced that? Where a life surrender to God lives in the awareness that God can interrupt and change our plans at any moment. Look at verse 6. 
And when they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, look at verse 7. When they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. What's going on here? They want to go into Asia, but the Spirit of Jesus keeps restraining them. Uh, They want to go into Bithynia, but the Holy Spirit keeps saying no. In other words, everywhere they try to go, Jesus keeps slamming the door. Have you ever felt like that? Have you just felt like everywhere you turn, boom, door slams. Boom, door slams. And you're just left kind of thinking, Jesus, what in the world are you doing? Like, I love you. I want to serve you. I want to go to Asia. I want to go here. What are you doing? And and the, the scripture doesn't tell us how the Spirit is forbidding them to go. We don't know if God makes their camel run out of gas and they're 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 stranded on the side of the road. I, we don't know if like God made them eat at Denny's the night before, and we all know when you eat at Denny's, you ain't going anywhere. All right, I mean it's just like is, is that what happened? Did the dude from Lord of the Rings show up and say, one does not just walk? into Asia. We don't know. Man, how is God communicating this? We don't know. But what we do know is it's frustrating when you want to go where you feel you're supposed to go and God won't let you. Why? Because here's what he's trying to teach us. uh, Proverbs chapter 16 verse 9 says this, the heart of man plans his way But the Lord establishes his steps. Or or think about James chapter 4, verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town, we'll spend a year there, and we'll trade, and we'll make a profit. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Instead, what you ought to say is, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Isn't that how we tend to think? I'm going to go here tomorrow, and I'm going to stay this long, and and I'm going to do this, and and, and then it doesn't happen. It's ever happened to you. It's happened to me. I'm bearing my heart with you this morning. There was a time in my life I was absolutely convinced that God's direction for my life uh, was to be the lead pastor of First Baptist Church in Honolulu. Um, and here I am. And I'm thankful to be here, right? But you're like, well, how did I get here? Because I was going to go here and I was going to do that and this was going to happen. And James says, you got to stop thinking that way. Plan... But have the mindset in your planning, God can interrupt those plans at any moment if the Lord wills. I may make plans, but God directs my steps. And notice Paul's attitude when this happens, verse 10. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia very important phrase, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, here's why that phrase is important, because the vision isn't clear. 
Paul, Paul doesn't know just by the vision what they're supposed to do. The vision is simply this. Some guy in a vision says, hey, why don't you come over here to Macedonia and help us? Help you do what? Build a house? Dig a well? What? But what does Paul say? He concluded that he believed, he trusted that God was redirecting the mission. Listen, this, this is so important. Please let this seed be planted in your heart. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus, if you really want to be a, mission, a, a, a witness for Jesus wherever you go, here's what you can rest assured of. Are you ready for this? When God shuts a door, he's not trying to frustrate you because he's opening another door to use you. Some of you, that was worth the price of admission this morning because you need that right now. God is shutting a door. And if you're surrendered to him, if you're committed to him, you can conclude that, you can believe that, you can trust that he is not trying to frustrate you He's simply trying to use you in a way that you necessarily would not have planned. You see, setbacks are only switchbacks that get us to the top of the mountain. You ever been on one of those? Like, you feel like, why am I going down? I ought to be going up. Why am I going right? I ought to be going left. But what? That's the path that gets to the top of the mountain. Christian, look at me. Your father loves you. He loves you. He will complete the work he started in you. He will get you to the top of the mountain, but it won't be according to your plans. If you don't like change, you're not going to like following Jesus. Because the Spirit of Jesus can come in at any moment and say, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. Be quiet, Siri. No, that's the Spirit. Recalculating your life. Luke shows us here how the Spirit not only changes plans, but this is not just a geographic thing, this is also a spiritual thing. That is, Paul and Silas think they're going here, but they end up going there. And now Paul gives four examples of people who were living this way, but get recalculated in a whole different direction. Notice the first one is in verse 12. They're now in Philippi, this leading city in the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. They remained in the city some days. And on the Sabbath, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women who had come together there. And one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who is a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Okay, so Paul and Silas are now in Macedonia, and they're specifically in the region of Philippi where they meet a Philippian woman. Now, in case Steve Harvey is here, uh, this is a Philippian woman not Philippines. That's really easy to get mixed up, but 
just in case I want to set the record straight. And Paul meets this Philippian woman uh, at a Bethmore Bible study in a van down by the river. And he strikes up a conversation. And he proclaims the gospel to her. Now, what do we know about Lydia? Two very important things. First of all, she's rich. Money, 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 money. So how do you know she's rich? Because the text tells us she's a dealer in purple goods. Purple dye was unbelievably expensive in the ancient Near East. If you're a dealer in purple dye, purple goods, you're very wealthy. In fact, let me bring it into the modern day. Lydia is a very successful businesswoman who owns her own fashion company. That's exactly who Lydia is. She's rich. She's very successful, but that's not all we know about her. We also know that she's religious. The text tells us she's a worshiper of God. What does that mean? She's a Gentile who has adopted the moral laws of Judaism. Man, this girl's got it on. I mean, she's, she's like unbelievably great life. She's financially secure. She's morally pure, but Jesus is about to change her life. In fact, Paul proclaims to the gospel to her, and what happens? The, the text says that her heart is open, she believes, and her and her whole household are baptized. And Lydia, who woke up every day thinking this is the direction of my life, woke up on that day and experienced the Spirit of Jesus saying, recalculating. As she went from rich and religious to radical. You say, radical? I, I, I don't see radical there. Who is Lydia? Well, she's the first convert of what will be the church of Philippi. Hmm. I think there's a book in the Bible called Philippians. What does Paul say about the church in Philippi to the church in Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of what? Macedonia, Acts 16. Who was the first convert of Macedonia, by the way? Lydia. What do we know about Lydia? She's rich. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty. How can you be extremely poor when the first convert in your church was unbelievably rich? I'm not a theologian, I'm not a rocket scientist, I'm not a mathematician, but I know what two plus two is. Lydia became sold out to the mission of Jesus Christ. The mission gripped her heart, and she went from rich and religious to radical for the sake of Jesus, and she sacrificed her life to advance the gospel. That's what I know. And there are some of you here, there are some of you here today, and you've done well, and that's great, that's awesome, there's nothing wrong with that, you shouldn't feel bad about that, you're upper class in income, you're upstanding in your lifestyle, but here's the problem, the mission of Jesus has never gripped you. 
Let me, let me say it this way. You're not all in. You go to prayer meetings, you go to Bible studies, you come to church, you put a little bit in the plate, you do religious things, but the mission has never taken hold of you. And do you know what I hope happens to us this morning? The Spirit of Jesus comes in and says, recalculating. I want you to view your life from a whole new lens. Paul and Silas keep going. And they encounter another woman. And man, guys, she is like the exact opposite of Lydia. Look, for instance, in verse 16. They're going to the place of prayer. They meet a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days, till Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Whew, this is not Lydia. This is far from Lydia. In fact, if Lydia is the CEO, uh, upper income, uh, this girl is like the drug-addicted prostitute that's living on the streets. In fact, if, if, if Lydia makes a product, she is the product. If Lydia owns a business, this girl is the business. She is uh, in bondage to men. That's not all she's in bondage to. The text tells us she has a spirit of divination. She's not only oppressed by men, she's possessed by demonic spirits. But you know what happens in that young lady's life? Paul looks at her and he says, oh, not, not in my power, but in the name of Jesus Christ, in the power of Jesus Christ, on the authority of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And in that very moment, that slave girl went from being in bondage to men and bondage to sin to set free in Jesus Christ. You talk about your recalculating She's set free from her bondage and her slavery to life in Jesus Christ. Listen, some of you here this morning are in bondage. Some of you are in bondage to pornography. Some of you are in bondage to drugs and alcohol. I, I spoke with a man last night who came to our Saturday night service right out of prison. Said, I'm here because... Man, i got to get my life right. And I looked him right in his eyes and I said, and I'm glad you're here. There are some of you, if I ran a background check on you, there wouldn't be enough paper in the printer. There are some of you, you have a background of abuse that has haunted you and you feel like defines you. Look at me in my eyes. The Spirit of Jesus can set you free. I ain't playing with you. I'm not just kind of pulling the strings of your heart. I'm telling you based on the authority of God's word, whatever you're in bondage to, whatever spirit that may enslave you, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. The spirit of Jesus can set you free. And some of you that may happen overnight. 
Some of you, that may be a six-month, one-year fight, learning that His grace is sufficient in my weakness. But make no mistake, there is power in the name of Jesus. Amen? Recalculating. Recalculating. Needless to say, the owners of this girl are not happy. They demand that Paul and Silas be beaten and thrown into maximum security prison. How would you respond if that happened to you? Notice how Paul and Silas respond in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Is that how you respond in your suffering? Now, I just love that image, that they're just fixed on Jesus, even in the midst of all they're going through. And notice what happens. Suddenly, there was an earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everybody's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. So now we're introduced to this third person. It's this jailer. Here's, here's what you need to think about. If Lydia is the upper class and the slave girl is like the lower class, the, the jailer is like middle class. A, a jailer would have been very much a blue-collar job. A very stressful job, by the way. He's loved by some and hated by others. The Romans love him. The Jews hate him. His job is so stressful that a bad day at work means death. I mean, how would you like that pressure? You get a bad performance review, the consequence is you die. It's exactly what this guy is facing. In fact, he knows that Roman death is so cruel, he'd rather do it himself. This man is literally on the verge of death until this happens. Verse 28. Paul cried out with a loud voice, Don't harm yourself, for we're all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, trembling with fear, I can imagine, and fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, let's get to what life is all about. Let's get to what... Make, uh, what really matters, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And I love this last phrase. And he rejoiced along with his entire household, that he had believed in God. Talk about your transformation. Talk about your recalculation. This guy has gone from the verge of death to life in a moment. You have a Roman guard who's now identifying with a man crucified by Romans. Not only that, this man's entire family believes and is baptized, and he's washing the wounds of the very ones he'd put in chains. Is that not incredibly awesome of a picture of what Jesus can do in someone's life? Hear me, there are some of you here today and you are like at the end of your rope. 
you want to give up and you're really wondering whether or not life is worth living. Here's why I know that. Because I get emails like this that say things like, I'd cry myself to sleep thinking that I just wanted to kill myself and go to heaven. After all, what's the point? Might as well go to heaven and be with Jesus because it's a lot better than this broken world. I'm so upset at God for making me feel like this and allowing all this crap to happen all the time to the point that I just want to kill myself because there's really no point in trying life anymore. But everything changed today. I'm scared to think of what would have happened had I not been at church today. Don't you come in here and be fake with me. There are people like that who walk in here every week. And they got a big smile and they got really sad eyes because deep down they're not sure they want to go on anymore. But you look at me. You hear what God is saying to you this morning through His Word. Jesus Christ can take you today from the verge of death to abundant life. About to take his life one moment, rejoicing with his family that he believed in God the next. That's what Jesus can do for you. Amen? Amen. Man, if you feel like giving up, you feel like giving it in, you feel like throwing in the towel, don't do it. Abundant life is offered to you in the darkness of your prison cell this morning. His name is Jesus Christ. Believe. Walk out with hope. Can we just... Please stop being fake and saying, get over your religion and get about the mission. Admit your bondage and get freedom in Jesus. Recognize that you're about to give up, but find abundant life in Christ and rejoice in the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Man, it is what this is all about And if you don't want to say, man, let's jump on board with that mission. I want to be about seeing this happen in my life, in my community, around the world. Then I don't know what can inspire you in life. There is no greater mission than the mission of Jesus. Am I yelling? It feels like I'm yelling. (laughs) But I'm serious. It's not the only one transformed in Acts 16. There's a fourth in your eye. I don't don't see a fourth. I see Lydia. I see the slave girl. I see the jailer. But who's this fourth one you're talking about? Follow me. What was Paul before he was converted? He's a Pharisee, right? Right? Devout. Jewish man. I mean, he's a card-carrying, Old Testament-thumping. I mean, he just read Philippians 3. He is zealous 
for Judaism. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just telling you historically what a Pharisee prayed every morning. Here's what Paul's prayer would have been every morning before Jesus. God, thank you that you did not make me a woman, a slave, or a Gentile. Day after day. Day after day. That's the direction of his life. Thank you, God. What are you thankful for? I'm thankful that he didn't make me a woman, he didn't make me a slave, and he didn't make me a Gentile. And then Jesus changed his life. And who were the first three converts in Philippi? A woman, a slave, and a Gentile. Be careful what you wish for, all right? Doesn't God have a sense of humor? God has a way of redirecting our life to end up serving the very people we would never want to be. Somebody say, preach, preacher. You become, you leave this self-righteous, arrogant, prideful, snobby, am I laying it on thick enough, zealous religious person to someone who actually loves people regardless of their skin color, regardless of their politics, regardless of where they live. You're no longer self-righteous, you're a servant. That's the beauty of the gospel. It's what? The Spirit did in Paul's life. What's Luke trying to show us? He's trying to show you, do you see the power of Jesus? Do you see when the good news of Jesus is proclaimed, what happens? Here's what happens. A rich religious woman sells out to advance the mission. A girl in physical and spiritual bondage is set free. A jailer moments from death receives eternal life and rejoices with his family. And a former Pharisee wanting nothing to do with women, slaves, and Gentiles is now serving women, slaves, and Gentiles. That's the power of our almighty God. And here's the application for you this morning. Jesus saves all kinds of people. Sometimes people will say this to me, you know, I'm just not the Christian type. You ever heard that? Here's what you say next time somebody says, I'm not the Christian type. You say, good. Because <laughs> there's not a Christian type. Wealthy, poor, black, white, male, female. Upper income, lower income, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've done, you need Jesus, and Jesus has the power to recalculate your life forever. Spirit not only changes plans geographically, Spirit changes hearts spiritually. But I want to end this morning by just giving you very briefly some things that we see once again in this chapter that don't change and I say it to you because it encourages us to be about the mission we've been called. And here's the first. And all this change, man, lives are being changed, plans are being changed, everything's changing. Here's one thing that remains the same. The success of the mission rests in the hands of a sovereign God. You say, well, where do you get that from? Who opened Lydia's heart? God did. Whose name was it? that had the power to set that slave girl free, it was the name of Jesus. Who do you, how do you think that earthquake happened? 
You think Paul and Silas said, maybe if we jump up and down, right, it'll shake the place and we'll get out. Come on. God sent that earthquake. What's the point? I am so thankful that I don't have to live every day as though the success of this mission rests on my creativity or your awesomeness. It rests in the sovereign hand of God. Otherwise, I would be crushed under the weight of this mission. Our sovereign God, then number two, uses a very simple strategy. Here's the point. What's happening throughout every one of those episodes? It's this. I'm going to boil down the essence of what you're to be doing on this mission. You ready? Show love and share Jesus. Show love and share Jesus. Here's what I mean. Show love. I don't care if you're a businesswoman. I don't care if you're um, a prostitute. I don't care if you're a jailer. I I don't care if you're white collar. It doesn't matter who you are. I'm viewing you through the gospel. And, And I believe that God has called me to serve anybody and everybody I simply want to love. The second is to share Jesus. Right? I mean, what must I do to be saved? Well, going to have to pull out our scrolls and uh, have Bible study for the next eight hours. No, it's believe in Jesus and you'll be saved. Oh, it can't be that simple. It is that simple. Believe. Place your life fully and completely into the hands of a father who loves you so much. He sent his son to die on the cross. And if you would believe in him, you would not perish but have everlasting Life. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Are you all with me? It's not more complicated than that. But what if they ask me, like, did Adam and Eve have a belly button? What if they, they ask me about the dinosaurs? What if they ask me about the problem of evil? You just simply say you don't know what you don't know, but what you do know is if you believe on Jesus, you'll be saved. Show love, share Jesus. And lastly, our sovereign God uses a simple strategy through a steadfast, faithful people. You say, where do you get that from the text? It's this. It didn't matter if it was prison cells. It didn't matter if it was chains around their wrist. It didn't matter if it was accusations out in the street. It, nothing was going to stop Paul and Silas from continuing on in the mission. And that's really what it's all about. A sovereign God using a simple message and a steadfast people who are committed to the mission of Christ. Because setbacks are only switchbacks that get us to the top of the mountain. Amen? So who are you in this story? Who are you in this chapter? Which one of these individuals most resonates with where you're at today? Maybe like David Brainerd, like Paul and Silas, like you had your path all planned out, but the door keeps slamming and you're here and you're saying, what do I do? Pastor, what do I do? You're like Lydia, and you're very religious. You're very involved, but the mission's never gripped you. Like, you're not all in. You're not totally sold out to Jesus. So what do I do? You're, you're like the slave girl, and you'd admit, I'm in bondage to some things that there may be people that don't even know, and I want freedom this morning. What do I do? I'm like that jailer, and, and I just feel like I want to give up. It's not worth it anymore, but I want this abundant life that you are proclaiming. What do I do? Look right here. 
the answer to that question has never changed. It hasn't changed for 2,000 years. Believe. Put your life in the hands of a loving Father and you will be saved. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would do that this morning. Our plans, our lives, our wallets, our minds, our relationships, help us surrender to your way. Spirit, come recalculate whatever needs to be recalculated in our lives. Redirect us. We pray, Father, that you would come and meet us right where we are today. That Lydia's would have their heart open. That slave girls would be set free. That, that the jailer would experience abundant life. That people like Paul would go from serving self to serving others. Do that supernatural work that only your spirit can do. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.